Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to a post-game edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend, my co-host, you know him well, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, how are you feeling after tonight's victory, man? I said on Twitter, but I'll say it here. It's Donovan Mitchell is living a movie, and we are all the extras. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put it. That is, I mean... I, this this is really supposed to be about Jared Allen and the return of the fro, but I mean, it, it, it's clear Donovan Mitchell just stole the show. He stole the show in that really probably in the latter half of that first quarter, but uh, he he just turned it on completely in the second half. But before we get to that, as we all know now, after watching that game, Cavs emerged victorious against LeBron James for the second time this season, completing the season sweep. 116 to 102 something the Cavs haven't been able to say in quite some time <laughs> no <laughs> yeah like, no it's been nice to even say we would split a series with LeBron in yes. recent memory <laughs> to, to, to have the two words Cavs and victory in the same sentence as LeBron <laughs> uh, <laughs> it feels good uh, to, to be able to say that. And that happened because of a multitude of reasons and you know take your pick Jared Allen you know coming back and performing like he never left and you know we we all know like the impact that Jared Allen can bring to the table when he's on the court but it's even more so uh, it, it's more so apparent when he's off the court like when you do not have the presence that is Jared Allen you absolutely notice what the Cavs are missing especially on the defensive end I mean and, and even in terms of offense he he opens things up he, he he enables the Cavs to operate way more comfortably within the confines of the pick and roll, which is still an element of the game that Evan Mobley is still trying to master at this point. But just to kind of dig a little deeper on, you know, tonight's performance, Jared Allen coming out there in his first game back, and I think, what, he missed five, right, Corey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. First game back after five, and he drops a double-double. No, big double-double at that. 24 points, 11 rebounds, threw in an assist there. He went ultra efficient, 11 of 14 from the field. Uh, one block, three steals, plus 21 on the court. I mean, is there anything in particular that stood out from Jared Allen's performance tonight that uh, that just kind of wowed you? The thing about Jared Allen is he just wows you with the subtlety of his impact in the game. Like you'll never watch Jared Allen highlights, especially offensively and just be like, wow, that's like one of the best, most skilled big men in the league. He just, he is technical in the best sense possible. I mean, the way that he opens up the offense, like you said, with the pick and roll, I mean, they brought it up in the broadcast around like the third quarter, but even though he scored only two points in the second half, the Lakers were more focused on stopping the pick and roll. It felt like than stopping the guards in the pick and roll sets, which allowed for Donovan to get a lot more opportunities. And it also benefited Darius as well. I mean, the only, I think the only, uh, no, I was going to say Karis Levert only gave him the only pick and roll score of the game, but that was to Evan Mobley. But uh, yeah, Jared Allen defensively also just solidifies the entire identity of the team 
it, it's it's more just he's so imposing and he's so long. He allows for Mobley to play more free safety than he normally does. And there's no center combination whatsoever that you we have on the roster outside of Jared Allen that allows Evan Mobley to play the best version of himself. I think that's a great way of putting it because when you really look at these, you know, the stat line itself, if you look at what Jared Allen brings to the table, he's not a, like a, a high block guy. Like he's not going to wow you with like two plus blocks on on a season. He's not going to average that. But what he does is just jam up the pain, just make things and make life difficult on the opposition. And he's very capable of stepping out on the perimeter and Ding up. Like I posted a clip earlier of him kind of, you know, going head to head on a one-on-one possession against LeBron. He's perfectly capable of stepping out on the perimeter, just like Evan Mobley is. And that's what makes things so difficult for, for opposing teams to kind of navigate around. You're talking about having to get around the two seven footers in uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So, I mean, just, just the, the sheer impact that this man has brought to the table in, in one night, just a clear reminder of how important Jared Allen is to this team. Now, I'll pose this question on Twitter, and Corey, I just, just want to ask you, because I, I can't remember the last time I asked you this, and, or if I've ever asked you. And that question <laughs> is, is Jared Allen the most important Cavalier on the team? Not the best, but is he the most important? Uh, I would say in terms of what the Cavs do successfully, that makes them stand out from the rest of the league. Yes. I think it was pretty apparent in the five games that defensively, I know we all think Mobley is a future defensive player of the year candidate and he's Bill Russell reincarnated. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But um, Jared Allen allows the Cavs to have the freedom to perform defensively with what they want. They want to have Mobley run around. They want to have someone anchoring the defense and having two stout defenders in Mobley and Allen allows Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell to have a little leeway defensively. But as we saw tonight, uh, Donovan Mitchell does not take his foot off the gas defensively. I guess he has turned into Jimmy Butler 2.0 overnight defensively. And now we have a two-way star guard all of a sudden with the way he dove after Luke Traver. Oh, my God. I was going to say Austin Luke Reeves, I think, Austin right? Reeves, yeah. And then just dunked it on him. I read the comments from LeBron Jones. <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> I had Luke Travers on the mind. <laughs> Oh man, yes, Luke Travers. We'll eventually see that guy. Don't worry, we'll see, we'll eventually see him. But that when his jersey's in the team shop. I am buying that immediately. I I I know you will. I know you'll just don't don't let what happened to the Dylan Willer jersey happen to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, currently doing pretty well. I think American <sighs> Express is still doing their jersey insurance, so maybe I'll just <laughs> do a quick swap. Not a sponsor. Uh, yes, to to anybody who is um, listening to the audio version of this episode, Dr. Claw 77, the, re- the refs did their best to try and get Evan out of that game. Your thoughts on that, Corey? Do you think the officiating was a little bit odd in regards to that? I thought it was okay uh, at certain points, but I did, I, mean, have, I did feel like the Lakers got more, way more whistles. Yeah, I mean, they definitely had more free throw attempts, I felt like, throughout the game. But I felt like towards the end of the game, when Donovan Mitchell was really cooking, I feel like we got the benefit of the doubt on the whistle. So I feel like towards the end of the game, it kind of balanced out. But also, I understand that Cavs fans are, like, uh, rightfully salty for the refs after that atrocity that was the Knicks-Cavs game, where the whistles never stopped being blown. Blown? Yes, um, 17 to 24 on the night in regards to attempts. Cavs shot 13, yeah, will complete a 13 of those 17 attempts for 76%. Lakers 20 to 24 for 83%. So they did end up with more, but perhaps a more telling stat on the night, ladies and gentlemen. Cavs only turned the ball over seven times. Very unlike oh, them recently. Yes, over their last 10 games, I believe they're averaging uh, right around 14 turnovers a night. So that's that's a big, big jump. Well, well <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if jump is the right word to use there, but it's, a, it's a, definitely a decrease there that you like to see. Um, even more telling than that. Care to guess how many? Well, let me put it this way. Over or under 20 assists tonight, Corey? Over. 25 assists tonight from the Cavs 
in particular. Just absolutely beautiful ball movement tonight. Um, 16 compared to the Lakers there. I just, I, I'm a fan of basketball being, you know, on the move and, and the ball being in motion and the Cavs know how to do that. I mean, they have the weapons obviously to make that happen, but to see it actually in action and to see everybody get a, a piece of the pie here, I mean, it keeps everybody's morale up, right? Yeah. I mean, to build off your point about the turnovers, how we've had 14 a game recently, the way I, you could spin that is that the team, I think turnovers can happen from players trying to be too selfless at times. And I think this team is so team oriented and not really, I know you could look at Donovan Mitchell's points per game and just think without watching the games that he obviously is just like hardened style playing the games, but it truly doesn't feel like that. I think when I watched the Cavs play, that was like my worst fear with Donovan Mitchell was that he was just going to try to turn this into Utah 2.0 and just try to play his own game and everyone else kinds of stands and watches and hopes that he decides to kick out instead of going for one of his super athletic dunks. But the turnovers, I think, are more indicative, like I said, of the team being self selfless. So when they're on and the passes they've been trying to convert for the past few weeks are actually turning into successful uh, possessions, then that's where you reap the benefits of the selflessness, but it will bite you in the butt when it, you're making more lax passes, trying to give someone else more opportunities. I think one of the biggest culprits of that over this last uh, stretch of games has been Karis LeVert, obviously since returning calling from, him out, man <laughs> from, <laughs> from injury. And no, I'm trying to be like, you know, as of, I would say as of that trade, I've been pretty optimistic about you two. You know, I think I think we've really held up our bargain in trying to boost this guy's confidence up. Um, and while it's not quite yield, you're not yielding the results that you wanted to once you moved him to the bench. I mean, another night where he finishes under double digit scoring, he's actually still providing in other areas. He's not a total turnstile on defense as he has been in years past. He's still moving the ball pretty decently uh, Four assists on a night. You would like to see the shooting averages continue to rise. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm holding out hope here. We'll have to see. Um, tonight, he played 23 minutes. Um, his minute totals are starting to go down. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen that, but he's starting to play a little bit less. Um, and other guys are getting a little bit more of an opportunity here. But Lamar is truly reaping the benefits. <laughs> he really is. Um uh, and with that said, just to kind of close out the point on Karis, uh, there was one pass in particular. It kind of highlighted the Karis Lovert experience to me this season, and that was a feed on the inside to I think it was Evan Mobley, a beautiful pass on the inside. And what has often become the case with Lovert is it's either a really beautiful pass or it's a turnover. Like th- the guy has like some of the funniest turnovers that you'll see. Like what's that about, Corey? I just think, you know, if he is so aware that his shots aren't falling and he like, I feel like as players, I mean, I'm not going to speak as it from a player's perspective, but I would imagine. Why not? uh, Well, there's a simple reason. And it's because I, uh, you know, uh, only played in college. (laughs) Uh, No, I um, I think Karis LeVert, like most humans out there, would be kind of self-conscious knowing that their minutes are decreasing. So he's trying to find ways to show his impact, especially with his shooting splits not being where I would imagine they want them to be. So he's now turning into more of the facilitator, which at times I'm always very impressed with his vision because I've said this at least like 50 times on this podcast that he had vision that I really didn't really expect him to have. And there are, like you said, some passes he gives that I'm like, wow, that was insane vision. Like it's a true plus to have him come off the bench, but then he has other ones where it's like, Karis, you could have simply just trusted your uh, scoring acumen and just put a layup. in. I know your percentages have been bottom line atrocious. That's what it is. In the beginning of the year, his, his splits are like the complete different uh, perspective of what they've been in past seasons. Usually his three point shooting is lacking and his mid range and attacking the basket has been his strength. 
Well, I, I think uh, Levert is actually factoring in tonight's game because I don't think a lot of the websites have updated tonight, but just doing a little bit of research. Slackers. <laughs> Garris Levert, I think he has assisted on 98 passes this season. He, his total assist count is 98, and I think he's turned the ball over 41 times. So the assist to turnover ratio is not terrible. Um, but the, the thing is, like to your point, he does seem at times like unselfish to a fault. Like just shoot the damn ball uh, at certain po- at certain times when you have an opening too, and I think a lot of that what that is is th- is those shooting percentages. Like it's just not gone in on a lot of those mid range attempts, and that's probably starting to wear on him mentally, and that's probably why we're seeing that. But I just want to see him let it fly. Like some of the same reasons that we use for Isaac Okoro at points in regards to confidence. I just want to see Karasavert continue to shoot his way out of whatever slump this is. Like, I, I don't think it's going to stay this way all season. Hell, it better not, <laughs> or he's going to find himself losing even more minutes. But uh, and money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, contract year. There's a lot riding on this season for him. He could be moved. Uh, you know, he could be. He could lose minutes. There's a lot of different things that could happen, but. In spite of Levert still not being able to kind of find his way here, Cavs still managed to find a way to win tonight. And uh, a lot of that, or really most of that at this point, falls on the shoulders of one Donovan Spider-Mitchell. 43 points, I believe, six rebounds, five assists, four huge steals that often resulted in transition dunks or fouls. Is there something, like just any one play or any one thing from tonight in particular that really stuck out to you from Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I referenced it earlier. It's definitely the Austin Reeves hustle play where Austin Reeves is trying to regather himself, figured no one was watching him. It was honestly not to draw the comparisons, Colin Sexton-esque, the amount of effort <laughs> that was being put out there. I know that I don't want to awaken the hive of Sexton fans out there. So don't take this comparison too literally, <laughs> but yeah, that was a Sexton esque moment where I, I mean, they just showed that with Utah and him. What? Like a few days ago where he mm-hmm. dove at the baseline for a ball that no one was expecting him to go after. And then he just proceeds to blow past Austin Reeves. Like us, like he just was like a grown man pushing off a toddler and then just proceeds to dunk it. Oh my God. It was the best. I felt bad for poor Austin Reeves. <laughs> you know, I, I really felt bad for him right there because you, you're obviously not going to step in the way of like a a dunk there. I don't think anybody would put their self on the line, not even Kevin Love. Who we uh, I was going to say, I don't know. Kevin Love almost became a universal poster for John Morant. <laughs> he did. I mean, his affinity for drawing charges, you got to love Kevin Love for that. But I would not have wanted to see Kevin Love get jammed on. Uh, Austin Reeves was behind in the play anyway, so it's not like oh, anything yeah. would have happened. But, man, I, I couldn't help but feel bad for him because he was just outmatched on that play. Um, All plays. <laughs> <laughs> that that dunk was something special. I mean, we we have just – we're being spoiled right now, I feel like. Like the wealth of talent right now that we have, the collection that's in Cleveland, is just – it made this rebuild worth it. Like performances like tonight on prime time where the Cavs don't really, you know, we don't get a lot of these opportunities. The national audience still has not gotten to see what this team is all about, I feel. Tonight went a long way of showing that basketball in Cleveland is on the upswing and teams better fucking pay attention. Like not even just teams, fans. Like this, this games like tonight just make, make it all worth it. We're back. <laughs> That's all that it means, Mac. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, let me ask you this, man. Just after seeing like some of the big time performances to start this season, because um, I think everybody's played at least 22 games now. Um, don't quote me on that. But after seeing some of like the big time performances, like from AD, like Sands tonight, and tonight could have been wholly different if AD didn't leave with flu-like symptoms apparently he just wanted to come and be like a <laughs> he wanted to be a spectator no he wanted to do like a biological weapon <laughs> and just get our team completely he's like, he's like your injury report looks pretty dense already why don't i sprinkle a few more in there with some flu-like symptoms have you ever seen that episode of blackish where junior 
Um, he's sick. He literally, this is some disgusting shit right here. He's sick. So he takes his finger, he digs it on the inside of his mouth, and then he 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 puts his finger in his brother's mouth to get him sick. Wow, that's messed up. <laughs> it's some nasty shit. Uh, if anybody's listening, if that has ever seen the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That that's <laughs> that that could be a stunt that AD was trying to pull tonight. <laughs> I think it was. I mean, the dude played eight minutes, and he's just like he gets he gets boxed out on one rebound, and he's like, you know what, fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> and yeah, he just, like, Jared he's like, guys, I had a fever. I was throwing up in pregame. Like I, I'm just gonna leave. And he wasn't like, expecting sorry, Jared what? Allen to play clearly. <laughs> I don't think he was expecting himself to play. I feel like LeBron's like, I need this, please. This is all uh, I have. Without that performance, AD, well, without tonight's game, AD was literally in their last 10 games putting up like 34, 15, and damn near three blocks. So he's he's playing at an MVP level, and he's a huge, probably the reason why the Lakers have managed to win eight of their last uh, 11. Now, it's not Austin Reeves. <laughs> uh yes, not Reeves, not LeBron, not Schroeder, you know, Schroeder, whatever. Um <laughs> it <you>. is <laughs> Davis. So you see big time performances from Davis. You've seen Luca go off this year. You've seen Jason Tatum. You've seen Lowry Marketing, <laughs> former Cavalier, and Donovan Mitchell, who's been pretty, pretty consistent this season, putting up 30 plus point games. That I say all that to say, to ask you. Does Donovan Mitchell have a legitimate chance to win the MVP this season? Do you feel that? I was thinking about that during the game when I was hearing the MVP chance, and I was like, now this is like definitely all the Cavs fans. Like, what are they going to say when Donovan Mitchell gets yeah. to the line? Like, sixth place in voting. Sixth place in voting. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. But, like, I, I it's going to be really tough because I feel like, you know, MVP is such a popularity contest. And with names that are going to be going ahead – it's going to be like if Giannis has a really yeah, good Giannis year and, Paris, and then Tatum right now is a favorite yeah. of, of like, it's all like, it's a combination of seating popularity and really like, I, I, I just don't feel like anyone outside, like any guards out of Steph Curry could win this award. Like in during this stretch with all the forwards that we have, because I feel like even as like amazing as Diamond Mitchell is and other guards and young guards in the league, it's just this is such a forward focused league. And yes, it's cool to have like exciting young guards, but it's like what people say with Damian Lillard in Portland. They're like, yeah, it's really great that he's an elite point guard, but he needs like a, a big time player at the three or the four in order to win a title. Guards don't win titles unless you're Steph Curry. But, you know, uh, yeah, no. So it's a good, it's a tough road to climb for Donovan Mitchell. I think he'll de- should at least be in consideration, like have his name mentioned. Maybe even if he's like an honorable mention, I'd be fine with that. But yeah, I don't, I don't see a world or a roadmap in which Donovan Mitchell would win unless he continues to average like thirty five points a game. I mean, on this season, uh, factoring in tonight, I mean, he's averaging over twenty nine points a game, four rebounds damn near five assists shooting with a true shooting percentage in the mid sixties. I mean, the, the guy is balling. I mean, then yeah, I don't take no, anything away from what he's doing for the yeah, record. Yeah. And, and make no mistake, like Donovan Mitchell. And I do not say this lately. Obviously I am 29 years old. I did not get to see the Mark price Cavaliers. <laughs> what? In, <laughs> I didn't get to see them in their heyday, obviously, but I confidently feel like, this is the best backcourt collectively that the Cavaliers have ever had. Um, and I, I just, I feel like if Donovan Mitchell keeps up this pace, you know, putting up 30 plus points a game, I think it's not out of the question in regards to the MVP. I just, do I think that he's going to win it at this point in time? No, I don't think he'll end up getting it. Do I think he'll be a finalist? Absolutely. But I think that the Cavs are going to have to con- they're going to have to continue to win games and he's going to have to continue to be like the driving force behind that which is it just kind of seems like any given night any one of these guys can go off and you saw multiple Cavaliers do big time things. I mean, we talked about Jared Allen coming back and giving you 24 and 11. We talked about Donovan Mitchell giving you 43 um for what seems like the umpteen time this season, like these 30 plus point games are becoming routine to the point where you're kind of, I mean, I don't know about you, but I almost feel like a 30 point game is like expected 
at this point. Between the two guards, at least one of them will go off for 30 plus. I always feel like it could. I mean, I feel like right now it's like 65% Donovan Mitchell gets it, and then like 35% Darius does, which I'm always like low key more excited when Darius does. But, <laughs> but I mean, we all are like that. Um, that that game he had against Minnesota earlier this season was electric, even though it was a loss. You know, like 27 points in the fourth quarter that he did against Timberwolves was amazing. And so to kind of highlight Darius Garland here, 21 points. So that backcourt combined for 64, I believe, you know, 64 on the night. But the thing about Darius is even when on even in a night where he's not like the guy or he's not Batman, still a pretty damn good Robin. Um, you know, and I don't even know if you want to call him Robin tonight because Jared Allen is so damn good. But uh, 21 points, 11 assists, 8 of 18 from the field. Not great shooting numbers, but you can look past that because he's doing so many damn other things. Like the the assist numbers in particular obviously stick out to you. And I don't know if uh, if you're able to check right now or if anybody listening is, but I would really like to know how many of those actually went to Jared Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I'll have our IT team do that real quick. <laughs> but um uh the thing about Darius that's pretty interesting and that makes him so special, I think, is even though Donovan Mitchell, I think, has the keys in terms of like scoring when it counts, like it's definitely his show in the fourth quarter. That being said, it still is cool to I personally feel that Darius Garland is still the straw that stirs the drink for this offense, even though it feels like most times Darius is kind of at the whim of Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter. It just feels like the offense truly still runs through Darius and his decision making, which is his most special fat like uh asset offensively this <laughs> is his most special fat his most special layer of fat you know <laughs> peel but back those layers he's like an onion you just got to get to the, the the core of darius garland and you get facilitator but yeah uh his he definitely is still as impactful with distributing the ball as he's been with touching it less which is a, a really good sign for me at least I mean, you can't really ask for anything more, you know, on a night where Donovan's giving you 40 plus on a night where Jared's giving you 24. I mean, 21 to have three separate players give you 20 plus points. That's a pretty damn good performance, um, you know, from anybody. And then you look at the other two players in the starting lineup and Evan Mobley, who, you know, did put up a lot of points tonight and did find himself kind of in foul trouble. Um, He did do other things like. That block on Russell Westbrook. Did you have to catch that? Yeah, with uh, when they, right as he got back in off the uh, being sitting out for the five fouls, comes in and sends the shot back to Russell Westbrook's house in uh, Inglewood. Yeah, he he really pulled out his Dikembe Mutombo on that one. Like (laughs) this, this man's ability. Like it's just another case of trying not to take what he brings to the table for granted because Evan Mobley is just so damn special. I mean, in year two, his ability to defend both out on the perimeter and, you know, protect the rim is just a special blend. And so uh, to kind of highlight him, seven points, 12 rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal. And while that might sound pedestrian to the average NBA viewer, If you take Evan Mobley away from this team, it is going to hurt in regards to their defense. I mean, he he really is that important. And there's a reason why a lot of people feel like there is a defensive player of the year candidate uh, somewhere in there. Um, I don't know if it'll end up being this year, uh, but it's certainly in the future for him. Like the expectations uh, are definitely warranted, but – he, he he's living up to him, you know, being the third overall pick. It's just awesome to see him continuously put out performances like this that, you know, if you're not a Cleveland fan, you might just look at it and, you know, shrug like that's pedestrian. That's just some <laughs> Rockets fans are getting ready for their Jalen Green was the steal of the draft <laughs> papers. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you look at Lamar Steven too. You kind of pointed out earlier in regards to stealing some of Levert's uh, thunder here in his minutes. Um, can you, can you rationalize for me, like being okay with 
Lamar not giving you more than, you know, two, three points a game. Uh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, he allows the defensive identity to stay the same. He it, like within the ideally, I would still rather it be the Dean Wade if he was healthy, because offensively, I think he brings more to the table than Lamar does. But Lamar brings the confidence that offensively that I, him being out there doesn't necessarily mean he's not trying. He's still ducking this, by the way. What I said, he's still ducking us, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not a cleric or anything, but I'm going to foresee that that will happen for quite some time at this point. You know, Dean, you're quite elusive for a guy who has less than 100,000 followers. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, you're not playing. Come on, get on the show. We know you have free time. It doesn't take a shoulder to turn on your computer and just hop on a chat with us. God. Now I have to give you tough love and maybe in order for this to happen, slap an ice pack on and let's roll baby. Oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you can rationalize Dean star. I think a lot of people are perfectly fine with that idea. Lamar. But, uh, but uh, Lamar starting him in him, not providing you anything more than like two or three points a game. Are you okay with that? With kind of like the hierarchy in terms of offense that you're seeing from the rest of the starting lineup? Yeah, I think there's enough offensive support that you can have your wing player be more of the defensive plug to shore up any backcourt defensive deficiencies that might arise because the offensive output between the starting backcourt and and on any given night, one of Mobley or Allen will get involved. It feels like between Darius and uh, uh, Donovan opening up those opportunities off the pick and roll or just having so much gravity to opposing defenses that opens it up for them. Uh, Lamar though, um, he does have like his energy is so tangible in the starting lineup that that's also a factor. I feel like that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Like they brought it up a few weeks ago and I feel like it's just something that's so important is that he, he truly is like the, in the weirdest way, I, it feels like the Udonis Haslam thing for Miami at this point where the player that t- like contributes not the best on the stat sheet is the leader of the locker room. Like he'll be on the floor, not as much as other players, or he won't have as much pedigree as other players, but he holds everyone players one through 12 on the Cavs, like accountable at all times. Like they said that Don- he was yelling at Donovan Mitchell about d- just slacking in the first quarter on defense. <laughs> and Donovan Mitchell's like, all right, yeah, sure. I feel like most players would be like, who the fuck I, is this guy? <laughs> you gotta love that. Like, you gotta love that from your star players, from one of your star players. Being able to accept that from a reserve or a guy you think might be a little beneath you, like a guy holding you accountable, that has to feel good. Like the, the relationship there, and we we consistently hear how like the vibes are immaculate. That has to be a part of that. Like, if you have a culture that you can facilitate that type of discussion and not feel like these guys are at odds that's pretty good yeah you can't really ask for anything more than a player who plays like 25 minutes a game and you're like yes lamar went off tonight he scored 12 is that going (laughs) off for lamar's (laughs) i think so i think that's the barometer anything where he hits double digit scoring you're like dude lamar was insane tonight he hit two open threes (laughs) let me let me stop because it kind of sounds like we're hating (laughs) but we're not offensively that is the what I expect from Lamar to have a good night. I just want him to shoot the open shots as he gets them because we all know. I mean, Isaac has been shooting them recently, and I've, I've personally felt like he's been getting a lot better. I feel like people are still up and down about his offensive production, but I'm seeing the willingness that we weren't seeing before. So it's just nice. I just, I've said it a thousand times. I might as well just tattoo it to my chest. That if Isaac Okoro had the offensive mentality of Lamar Stevens, he would be the starter for this Cavs team because all it takes is the willingness to shoot and keep defenses honest that will bring the value. Because like I said earlier, there's too much talent in the starting five that we can allow for someone who is a hit or miss like offensive player to be in the starting five. I think that's a good way of putting it. And to your point about Isaac, I mean, here's the thing. Like we... uh, at this point in time, I am no longer 
trying to rationalize, hey, this guy was worth the fifth overall pick. Like, I'm past that point. I just want to see the guy do well. I want to see him contribute to the team in some form or fashion, whether that's on the, on the offensive end, whether that's on the defensive end, or whether that's on both ends of the floor. Now, right now, Isaac, I mean, Isaac only played 10 minutes tonight, but while he was on the court, he did try and make the best of his minutes out there. He did can a three, and he took that, and he let it fly, which is what – that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, you want – to see him just let the thing fly confidently. You want to see him take those shots and not shy away from the same way that he did at the start of the season. Um, and I think that's really all you can ask of him at this point, playing him in such a low minute role. Like I, I'm not going to get to it right now because we know what's coming on down the line in regards to the return of Ricky Rubio and the, you know, Dean Wade returning and what this rotation is going to look like at that point. There's going to be some tough conversations had. And so Isaac making the most out of his opportunities that he is actually still receiving is going to come, uh, you know, is going to go a long way in determining whether or not he's still going to be a big factor in that rotation. Now, one of the bigger things, one of the bigger things for me, at least tonight, was the lack of like big time point production from the bench. (sighs) <sighs> like the the Cavs bench tonight combined for let's see here, is it still eleven? <laughs> no, it, it, it definitely not eleven. I think it's nineteen points. Oh, with, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was so insulting. With <laughs> some garbage minutes, yeah. So you got Karis with seven. You got Jetty who was three of ten tonight. Just did not shoot well. Jetty. But up led the team in plus minus. Uh, I can't say that either. <laughs> Jetty uh, with six points, and you got Isaac with his three, you know, that we just talked about. And Kevin Love, who is – he only played nine minutes tonight. Bad matchup for him. Um, only gave you two points. And then Hal Nettle again with one. So I think that's a collective 19 points, if my math is correct. You are uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they gave you 19 points combined to the Lakers bench, just completely destroying the Cavs. They, you had Thomas Bryant, and boy, was Thomas Bryant really impactful tonight in the absence of Anthony Davis. Uh, 19 points and nine rebounds from Thomas Bryant. Russell Westbrook, who we know who can light up the stat sheets, was not like awesome tonight, but he still gave them 16. Austin Reeves, eight. Brown's favorite player. <laughs> Brown five, Troy and Brown. Then, God, give the man Jones, his respect. Two. That they they absolutely obliterated the Caps bench. Like this, completely polar opposites, in my opinion. Like to the point where I kind of wanted to see Diakite, and you know that's my boy right there. <laughs> that's fine. Just dude. buy the jersey, Mac. All right. I, I think I will when I can. Uh, <laughs> when the podcast money finally pays yeah. off. Um, you just did not get a lot of production for the bench. And I think that's been like a, a, a touchy subject for, for Cavs fans in particular. Like you just, you want to see somebody consistently providing something and you're just not getting that. Is there anything, any move they can make like internally? Cause you're already seeing them make one with the, the move of Levert to the bench. Is there anything that can be done to kind of spark a little bit more out of this bench? Well, in terms of tonight, Kevin Love was pretty off. I mean, he left that. He stopped playing after, I think, the beginning of the third quarter. He didn't really play a lot during because he had three early fouls. So he pretty much sat out and then his night was over. And, uh, you know, hypothetical Dylan Windler, I bet's in the cryo chamber. We could just uh, knock on the glass and see if he's still got some life to it. Is he alive? <laughs> but um, this team is also hard to judge the bench because I think when you look at the names that we have on our bench, they obviously are recognizable names, which is something we haven't been able to say in past years for Cavalier benches. And I think with all the injuries, uh, the rotational door of players going in and out off the injury report, it's kind of truly hard to gauge what this bench is going to be like. I mean, we obviously have a Ricky Rubio type player waiting to come back who will definitely benefit the offense, even if he's like 80% of the Ricky Rubio that we saw last season, which uh, is a huge plus for this team. I mean, we definitely, I think of anything, the, the depth at the four and the five is something that needs to be, Better address. I think Diakite will probably 
at some point just take all of Robin Lopez's minutes. If I'm being honest, because, you know, love Rolo as much as the next guy. But I think it doesn't take a uh, NBA expert to kind of look at the tape between the two of them and see that Diakite brings a little more to the table and resembles more of what the Cavs are looking for defensively from that position. I feel like he shores up. He, he like If Mobley or Allen were out, it would still allow either or to play similarly to how they would before, but with a player like Robin Lopez in the starting lineup who's like, way more offensively oriented than uh, Diakite. It kind of throws off everything that the Cavs are kind of built around. Cause I know like now we have Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, best backcourt that the Cavs have ever had. One of the better backcourts in the league, but I, the de- the identity of this team is still defense. Like that's what it truly thrives on. Cavalanches don't just be like become a thing because the team is some offensive juggernaut. It's all fast break opportunities turned into easy points. And that's what this Cavs team needs. And I think I just went on a massive tangent, didn't he remotely answer the question? But uh, but, uh, yeah, the bench, I think it's hard to judge the bench with so many pieces going in and out. I think there obviously could be moves to be made, but also players are in slumps right now that I don't think they're going to be in for the whole year. So it's just a lot of factors being thrown in at once. I think it has been one fourth of the season, but as weird as that is to say, I feel like we haven't had a proper sample size of what this bench looks like because there hasn't been any continuity either. I, you know, I think that's fair. And, you know, obviously the big domino here that we often talk about and refer to in passing is Ricky Rubio. You know, we don't know what Ricky's going to look like when he comes back. Um, we have to assume that the Cavs are not going to run a rushing back. And honestly, that's how I would play it, play safe. I mean, you have Hal Neto, you have your star backcourt, you got guys like Karis Avert and Jetty Osmond who are capable of, you know, playing that position, uh, you know, for stretches. So you do not need to rush Ricky Rubio back. However, when you do get him back out on the court, that's going to be a big addition. When you get Dean Wade back, you know, assuming that they're going to keep him on the bench and keep Lamar within the starting lineup, I think that's going to help. And then eventually you're going <laughs> to – eventually you hope that Karis LeVert can kind of find his way from an offensive standpoint. But everybody's role is going to end up, you know, shifting once that Rubio – domino falls but i just kind of want to point this out here and i don't think that's taken i don't think this is taking tonight's game into reference but the Cavs apparently have the uh fifth worst scoring bench in the nba which not surprising i know it's not surprising at all but when you like when you hear the fact that they have a top five offense and a top five defense you wouldn't think that they have a like a bottom five bench, but no, it's it's just that they're they're like the Cavs bench is so weird because like none of them are offensive studs probably outside of Kevin Love and the occasional Jetty Osman like celebrity shot drop that he just comes in and just becomes nuclear. You don't, you don't factor Karis in that. No, I think. Karis is so I think my, my main point is that the Cavs bench is like a bunch of Swiss army knife type players. And what I mean by that is they are just so good at many different things, but I wouldn't say any of them are truly excellent offensively. And that's a, a, a positive, but it's also a negative because it kind of means that in order for the offense to kind of keep its flow going, it needs to solely go through Donovan or Darius. It feels like in order for it to feel like an NBA offense, I guarantee you if you remove Donovan or Darius off the floor and then just left everyone else from the bench, go out on the floor, it would look like one of the most enigmatic offenses of all time because <laughs> none of them truly outside of Karis, and unfortunately, Jetty sometimes can kickstart an offense. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. I mean, obviously, with Mitchell providing you 29 minutes, uh, 29 points per game, you're going to want to have him out on the court as much as you can. You have to have DG on the court as much as you can. Guys like Jared Allen, guys like Evan Bowley, you want to see them play a healthy dose of minutes. You know, my problem all season in regards to this rotation 
has been that the starters are playing heavy minutes. And I feel that that is because the bench is not giving you enough from an offensive standpoint. And so like the staggering that you're seeing with some of these lineups, when you're seeing DG playing without Mitch, when you're seeing Mitch play without Darius, you have Karis LeVert out there as a sub for one of those two. And sometimes all three share in the court at the same time. Even with that, that's not helping you know, a tremendous amount because you're not getting like one true consistent bench player like some teams have. Like there is no Jordan Clarkson of you know of years past. You know, we know Jordan's kind of starting right now for Utah. You're you're not getting like a like a Jordan Poole or uh, Jordan Clarkson guys like that who are gonna or perfectly capable of giving you a consistent like 15 to 20 points every single night that they see the floor. Ideally, that was supposed to be what Karras was going to do this season. But I think think Karras is a little different in the way that he his mindset is now as compared to those types of players. Like you don't see Jordan Clarkson being like, Oh man, I'm going to be selfless on this play and kick it out. Jordan Clarkson's like, Oh, I can breathe. Might as well shoot. That motherfucker <laughs> shoots whenever he's whenever, whenever he has one foot. I mean, and I don't fault him for that. Cause he's, that's how he's made his, that's essentially how he's made his money. Like that's essentially how he's positioned himself to get paid. Karis Levert, who knows what his next deal is going to look like, but he's got to turn that production up or he's going to be a bargain. Um, I mean, that could end up being a good thing for the Cavs. I yeah, guess. maybe. I mean, uh, it seems like JB's waning on his affection for him, though, so maybe not. Yeah. The thing that's tough about Karras is I think people want him to be the Jordan Clarkson type or the Jordan Poole type, like you said, but I kind of think of him now as more like the Malcolm Brogdon on Boston type where he comes in and he's not necessarily going to drop like 15 to 20 a game, but he's more of like an offensive stabilizer, which is weird for to probably hear for a player that as Mac has been saying during this podcast has been struggling to score at times, but he also, I, we both emphasized at several points has been a very decent facilitator for this Cavs team on a team that without Ricky Rubio coming off the bench, definitely needs that type of facilitator mindset in the lineup. I mean, you, you absolutely got to have that. And I just want you to put this into further context before we kind of close things out here. In his last 10 games, some of those off the bench, some of them as a starter, because that's that's another thing that we have to kind of put into perspective here and kind of understand is that he has his role has fluctuated a lot this season between being the second option, third option, being the first or primary guy off the bench. In his last 10 games, Carousel Verde is averaging 7.6 points, 3.6 rebounds, three assists. That is not a guy who sounds like he's going to break the bank this season. However, it's still something, and it's still probably probably their most consistent outside of Kevin Love. I mean, we, we know the book on Jetty. We know Jetty can kind of, you know, be a flamethrower at certain points and be ice cold and others. Those are your three primaries right there. Isaac Okoro, whatever he gives you on offense is gravy. Dean Wade is not a factor right now because he's out. And then you obviously you don't have Ricky Rubio and you're not, you're not really supposed to be, you know, anybody at least that I consider to be sane is not going to want to have Robin Lopez in their nine to 10 minute rotation. And that same thing could be said for how Neto, no offense to those guys, but if those players are in your nine to 10 man rotation off your bench, you're probably not in a good spot from a health standpoint. Um, You're on mute. <laughs> That's uh, very embarrassing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, fellow Fear the Sword writer Jackson Flickinger has a great stat on Jetty. I just wanted to bring to light. Uh, sure. you know, I said how Jetty Osmond let, led the team in plus or minus tonight, believe it or not. But for uh, games that Jetty Osmond plays 22 minutes or more, the Cavs are 11 and 5. And in the games where he plays less than that, aka he's in JB's doghouse. They are five and four. So you tell me who the real MVP of the Cavs team is, and I'll just sit here and wait. Oh, fuck it. I mean, no. Jared Allen, forget him. Jetty yeah, Allen. no, no, no. Return of the Jetty. <laughs> the last Jetty. Am I right, guys? <laughs> oh, don't get us sued or anything like that. Um, I don't think Disney cares for us, Mac. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, yeah, he, he can get you 
he can get you into a uh, a slump very quickly, and he can just as easily win a game for you with his shooting. Like we know what Jetty is about at this point, and I really wish he could be more consistent, but he's just not. However, you do you do kind of have to include him at this point because you need the threat of that three ball. You need the threat of that spacing with when you're not getting it from Karras on certain nights, when especially when you're not getting it from a guy like Isaac. So um, Jetty is is pretty important right now. Um, what the rotation looks like when you get Rubio back, when you get Dean back, who the hell knows? Uh, but there's going to be a lot of tough conversations had. Uh, but I'm I'm very 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 uh, feeling very good about tonight's victory over the Lakers. I did not think they would end up at least coming into the season. I thought they would split. Um, I did not think they would end up. <laughs> I didn't think they would end up sweeping the season series against LeBron because obviously we know the track history there with LeBron against Cleveland is just not great from an all time standpoint. But for him, <laughs> <laughs> it's changed uh, this season, and hopefully that continues for however long LeBron's career career lasts. Um, but that said, you know, kind of looking ahead here, the Cavs will be heading into a matchup with the Sacramento Kings for the next game. Is there anything about the Kings that kind of scares you? Because the Kings have been pretty hot lately, too. Uh, as long as we don't absolutely blow a fourth quarter lead like last time, I'll sleep well at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can put up points in bunches. Um, Luke Walton revenge game. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> Um, going to be a, a must watch in my opinion, because the Cavs really need to get off to their next streak here. Um, I do, I hate these, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one type of points in the schedule, but you know, that's, that's kind of been the case lately. So tonight was a pretty good confidence booster being able to beat LA pretty badly on your home court. Um, that matchup against Sacramento, could be a tough one just because we know that they like to play with a lot of pace with the Aaron Fox and company red velvet, Um, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Mike Brown, all those guys, Um, some ties uh, to Cleveland, but that being said, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have this same type of discussion the next time we're on in regards to Sacramento and we're discussing a W um, and like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at its Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to it's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite. That said, any closing comments, Corey? Hope LeBron is enjoying his flight home. I bet it's a sad one. <laughs> he probably has some wine in his hand right now. Forgot all about this. Yeah, him and Kevin Love are probably chatting it up for like the umpteenth time, acting like he didn't send Kevin Love death threats over Twitter. <laughs> that um, did you think that was a goaltend that chased down? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty clearly a go- uh, a uh, a goaltend, but it was still pretty funny to see him block his ex teammate, kind of. It was just for Justin and Carter so they could use it in their opener. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> Shout out to the chase down. That's a good cat. Uh, go- <laughs> good calves. Go night. <laughs> <laughs> Let's tell you where we're at. It's time to close this thing down. Go calves. Go night. <laughs>